1: the The,
0: the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders touchdown Las Vegas with insight, opinions, and interviews we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Bolton. welcome back to Silver and Black today here on Tuesday the 14th of November, I hope you're having a A good week thus far. I know you're having a good week because, look, the Raiders won on Sunday night. I mean, what else could you ask for heading into the week before Thanksgiving? And I'm thankful. We're thankful that you're here listening to us. We're an Odyssey Original Podcast. Do us a favor. Subscribe wherever you get your audio. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you very much. We appreciate the chat. As always, hit the subscription and the notifications bell Uh, i'm scott cobranson your host joined by my partner here on the show he is mo moten he's a national uh, senior nfl writer over at bleacher report covering the nfl he also does raider specific content for sportsnot.com where you can also catch my work as well you can follow mo on x.com at m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n i am at lv gully and the show is SNB today. Okay, Mo. I know I I, I dove into your Bleacher Report live right after the game because I had a few minutes before Murph and I started the show here, and uh, it was great to see a lot of stuff. You still, see, it's amazing how some people will still complain even though their team won. But but overall, just you know, I think emotions riding high right now. People feel really good about the Raiders. Nobody's crowning them AFC champions or anything like that. It's just nice, as we've said since the last offseason, let's see some progress. Let's see a team that has that will to win and has the desire to be the best that they can be, whatever that is. And boy, we saw that against the Jets. We knew. You and I called it. You were closer to the score, I think, technically than I was. But we both had both teams under 20. Actually, I had them under 16, which they ended up getting (laughs) to win the game. But uh, we had this as a a slugfest, and we knew it would be that way. It turned out a little bit different for various reasons, but we knew that the score would be low, and sure enough, it was. And the Raiders just win a street fight out there with the the New York Jets, who also helped the Raiders because of their ineptitude with penalties and so on on offense, and the Raiders got a little bit lucky there. But you look at this, primetime win, Raiders look good. You tuned in Monday morning. All the NFL shows were talking about the Raiders and talking about Antonio Pierce. Um, Give me your high-level takeaways of this team after two games. Okay, great defense. This is the best defense they've played all season, right? Uh, And they beat the Giants, beat the Jets. Now they get ready to go to Miami. But give me your thoughts on this team and what you're seeing and what you saw on Sunday night in front of the national audience.
1: Biggest takeaway for me is something I posted on the X. And I said, the Raiders now have an identity. Hmm. They're a physical, aggressive football team. As you can see, over the past two weeks, Josh Jacobs has been the heart of the offense. I know Devontae Adams is is the best player on that offense. He's your all-pro wide receiver who's arguably the best at his position. But Josh Jacobs is clearly now the heartbeat of that offense. And you you saw that, again, over the last weeks, feeding him the football. He should have had over 100 yards of back-to-back weeks. Got 116 on Sunday. Against the Jets defense, what like I said—the weakness of the Jets defense—while it is pretty good—is their interior run defense. And you saw Josh Jacobs break one for, I believe, forty yards. You would like to see him hold on to the football at the end of that run. But the biggest thing for me is Antonio Pierce has this team where they have a, a winning formula. And I and I talk about this every year with winning football teams and playoff teams. I'm not saying the Raiders are a playoff team, but this is what playoff teams have—they have their bread and butter approach. What is the identity of this football team? Are we a passing team? Are we a defensive-led team? Are we a run-heavy team? Are we a team that depends solely on our quarterback, like the Buffalo Bills? So the Raiders now have their identity. Again, physical. They're going to run the football 25 to 30 times with Josh Jacobs. We even saw Zamir White get a carry. He fumbled. Luckily, the Raiders were able to recover it. But they're going to run the football, and they're going to be aggressive. Two for two on fourth-down conversions. And a lot of people liked Antonio Pierce's uh gamble to go for it on fourth and inches handing the ball off to DeAndre Carr to get that first down for 15 yards so while it worked and a lot of people are going to like it because it worked I would I would say even if it didn't work out I still like the aggressive approach because I guarantee you Josh McDaniels punts on that down and gives the ball back to the Jets instead of trusting his 104 plus million dollar offense
0: Correct. And that that's been our big complaint all season before the change happened, right? Which was this idea that you have all this money invested in your offense and you're doing nothing to enable it to be successful. And that's why the celebrations and all the happiness came out, not just because the guy was fired, but because these guys could never be who they are. And again, I've said it. we're, We're at the midway point just past it. The Raiders are at 500. We don't know what they can be we can make assumptions based on the roster. Like we've all done. You pick them to win six games. I think I picked them to win seven games. Uh, and, and they're clearly on the cusp of, of, of doing better than that. And so I think your point about the identity mo is a huge one because even under John Gruden, yes, the, there were times when you felt the team had identity on offense a little bit, but that identity never was really kind of strong. It never really grabbed you by the, you know what? And, and shook you and said, Whoa, I get who these guys are. So now, under Antonio Pierce, a former player, of course, and that fiery attitude, that transparency that he's given, that genuine nature of his personality, it's it struck a chord with this team. and And, and again, I know everybody wants to jump ahead and say, well, they should he's going to be the full-time coach. We don't know that yet. It doesn't matter, though. As he said before, and I said this on the postgame show, Doesn't matter. You worry about now. It's a week-to-week league. You worry about what you're able to do now. And that's what he's got these guys focused on. And it doesn't matter. Winning ugly, whatever you want to call it. Last night, excuse me, on Sunday night, they have, I think, that identity out there because they were they were playing hard. Did they always win battles? No, but you never do in football games. You never win all of them, especially against a defense as good and as fast, by the way. As the Jets. That's why I was so impressed with Josh Jacobs in this game, because not only did he, I think, at, after halftime, and he said it after the game in the interview, he said they weren't really running the plays that we had talked about and that that were, were what I wanted to do. And I gave some feedback at halftime and they listened to me. And boy, look what happened in the second half, right? So that idea, it's not that you have players running the team and coaching the team, but you have, there's a give and take, right, Mo? It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Your editors, if you got an idea for a story and you pitch a story and they say no, and you go back to me you say, hey, yeah, but listen, here, this and that, and you come to an agreement on it and it works out for everybody, you develop a trust. And that's what Antonio Pierce has done with Josh Jacobs, who was was not getting along with um, Josh McDaniels, clearly. And now you see what happens Two weeks in a row, great performance, has his best performance against the Jets. And not only that, but he continues to be the leader that we've seen him emerge to be.
1: I think it's important to know, because uh, they said it during the broadcast, I think it was Chris Collinsworth said that Antonio Pierce gives Josh Jacobs uh, a sheet, and then Josh Jacobs gives him back the sheet of paper with three to five plays that he likes. Mm-hmm. Last week, it was said that the plays that Josh Jacobs wanted were Included in the game plan as was part of the reason why he had his breakout game. Now, as you said, now he said during the post game that weren't really run the plays that he suggested this time. Got his input at halftime and lo and behold, it worked out. So while you're not allowing the players to run the show, I think it is important to get player input because yes. they know what's best for them. As it, Just like, you know, your body, right? When it comes to health, but you lean on the professionals for advice. It's, just, it's just a similar, not the same, but similar with players where. They know what, what's best for them. They know what suits their strengths. They're looking for the coaches for guidance, and they have the final say. But mm-hmm. I think it helps to have the input of a player because, again, they know their strengths and weaknesses. They know what they do well. And for, it's up to the coaches to not just hand the game plans over to the players, but to include some of what their suggestions are to get the best possible results.
0: Right. And and the other telling thing I saw, and it's you know little things you know from all the coverage that this team is much more in sync and getting along better and they're having fun, right? And they talked about it on the broadcast on Sunday night a lot. Oh, these guys are having fun. They're finally having fun. Yeah, I get it. You wanna have fun no matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter if you're a professional, you still wanna enjoy your work. So those, these guys are doing it, but there was another point when 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 Jacobs was asked after the game about the big run, the 40 yard run he had as long as to the season, he talked about how Greg Van Roten, the right guard told him, hey, Followed it. He he basically gave him the the, the, the the blueprint and said, "Go here, right? Run inside here. I got you." And so that's sharing that story. We didn't hear stories like that earlier in the year. We didn't hear about guys talking about it. now they weren't having as much success. But that mm-hmm. is a key thing because that tells me in the huddle these guys are communicating and they're thinking about play calls. And if they got the play call in, uh, they know what's going on. And so to see that and to hear that, Mo is significant because now you've unleashed one of the best talents. Whether Josh Jacobs is there next year or not doesn't matter. It matters, though, what he can do now for himself and for his team, the Raiders. And boy, uh, that change in mentality, that change in allowing feedback has this guy feeling good. He even said it. I started to think about being a Raider again next year, right? So I know that's jumping ahead, but still, for him to say that openly, he wasn't prompted to say that. So that tells you the mood in the locker room right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely changed. And I think a lot of people are still looking at the Raiders like these these goofballs are in here smoking cigars after every win. But I think it's symbolic of, as you said, the mood in the locker room, the change in the tenor, the mentality that they have. It just exudes confidence right now, even when the Raiders were down against the Jets. And I know it was a slugfest, so the Jets weren't exactly pulling away. But if you remember, if you listen to Josh Shakespeare in the game, of Belief, he said, you know, we we just kept believing. No matter, even if we're down against a bat, against a, a good defense, we know we're still in this football game. We're still within striking distance. You just build it brick by brick. I think Antonio Pierce phrased it. I think Jermaine Luminar got on the X and said the same thing. You just keep chopping away. You just keep chopping away at the wood, and eventually... Hopefully, if you're the Raiders, it works in your favor and it has over the last two weeks. I know the Giants are, are wasteland right now, arguably the worst team in the league. I would say they are the worst team in the league. But again, this was a Jets defense that was playing pretty well. We all know what Zach Wilson is, but the Jets have wins against the Eagles and the Buffalo Bills. They do have quality wins in their resume. And they had a chance to win it at the end of the game. And Robert Splain comes up with a big play. And then they get the Jets get the ball back and the Raiders get another set of stops. So Defense, offense, special teams—all had a hand in this win. And again, it permeated through the locker room to have that confidence.
0: And if you're the Raiders, Mo, at this point, knowing you're going into a really difficult part of your schedule, next two games are rough. Okay, and I'm, you're hearing a lot of folks nationally say that. Say, hey, it's great that the Raiders won these two games. Everybody's happy. In fact, dare I say, they've taken on an underdog sort of of of, of persona, and people sort of are cheering for them, at least in the media. Which is unusual for this for this franchise, but you see it, which is cool, because it's such a good story, probably. But but then you see the schedule coming up, uh, and it's it's a tough one. But if you're gonna if you're gonna have any chance at all, you need to have your best weapon rolling, right? And that's where Josh Jacobs is at. So uh good on him, and and it's a it's a phenomenal, phenomenal story, and it's good that he's getting warmed up. Now we gotta talk about Aiden O'Connell too. So Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, okay, finishes 153 yards, a touchdown, and the interception. Which was a poor recognition by him, just a poor read, and and he threw the ball away. And as a rookie, you just have to protect the ball, right? So, but you're going to expect it. We talked about it leading into the into the weekend, Mo. That he's going to make mistakes. He's a rookie. Right. It, it, it comes with the territory. C.J. Stroud even made a mistake that ca- almost cost him the game before their big comeback against the Bengals on Sunday. So it happens to everybody. But I I was I was pleased at what he does. You can still see some of the things you got to work on. His footwork can be bad at times. He can rush the ball. He can hold the ball too long. All the things you expect from a rookie. But none of them are, I think, career killing. None of them are not fixable, which is important when you saw some of the other things like Mac Jones in New England playing in Germany. Oh, some God. of the mistakes some of these other guys make. And he's a, he's not a rookie quarterback. But you see that and you're thinking, OK, so Aiden O'Connell has a skill set. And again, I think people are looking for, unfairly at times, Aiden O'Connell to perform like a first round quarterback draft pick, which he is not, he's a fourth rounder. We've said it all along. We don't know what he is yet, but I was encouraged. I thought he had a good game. And if you look at the defense he played, everybody was criticizing him a little bit, but you look at even Mahomes was held to 200 yards. Justin Herbert held the 336 yards, no touchdowns, a 65 quarterback rating. Jalen Hurts, 280 yards in the win you were talking about. He threw three picks against the Jets. As did Josh Allen. So I'm not comparing Aiden O'Connell to those guys, Mo, but all considering he had a nice game when he was put in the position to play the way I felt like the offensive coordinator Bo Hartigree should put him in, he did really well. When he was asked to maybe do some things outside of his comfort level, it didn't it didn't go as well. But what's your overall view of O'Connell, how he played against the Jets?
1: He's definitely growing. And a lot of people want to some Raider fans want to criticize him. And say, oh, he, you know, he's thrown for under 200 yards. Not enough guys are involved. Devontae Adams had eight catches for 86 yards, by the way. So they're getting on the same page. But as you said, he, it's his third start in his fourth game. I mean, what are you expecting? Are you expecting to see Tom Brady right out of the box? Mm. I mean, there is a reason he was a fourth-round pick. It wasn't like he was the first overall pick in the draft. I mean, look at Bryce Young right now. He's struggling yeah. in Carolina. Now, he has a lesser supporting cast with lesser weapons and offensive playmakers around him. But this is the number one overall pick. Doesn't look anything close to it right now, in Carolina. So give Aiden O'Connell some time. What I what I paid attention to is growth. What does he look like now versus what he looked like against the Chargers? And I think you can see the development there. He had that one turnover, but he didn't turn the ball over multiple times. There were also two plays that I thought were pretty good on his part. There was one where he stumbles <laughs> out of oh, taking yeah. the ball and still got the ball to Devontae Adams downfield, didn't panic, didn't flinch, still completed the pass, and the play where he throws a touchdown pass to Michael Mayer in the end zone, he had to evade pressure on that one. Now, we we criticize him for not having the mobility. He's not going to be Josh Allen out there, but he has a little bit of wiggle. He's not, he's not athletic, but he can evade pressure if he really needs to, and he was able to do it on that play and get the ball to Michael Mayer, so he just definitely deserves credit for that. Uh, I would say he's a statue, but <laughs> He he could definitely make some crappy moves and buy himself some time which we saw on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, he had a he had a nice first down run that was negated by a holding penalty. Uh yeah. but but other than that, yeah, he's not going to be a guy who runs around Uh, And that's why I still think no matter what happens with Aiden O'Connell this year, the Raiders will still be in the market for a a more mobile quarterback in the draft. But again, you look at AFC quarterbacks. I'm going to remind people against this Jets defense, only Russell Wilson had a higher passing rating at one hundred and three point seven. Patrick Mahomes, sixty three. Justin Herbert, sixty five. Aiden O'Connell, seventy two. So to your point, you're seeing growth and that's the key. And I think people need to do that. He's not going to come out. And and be an MVP candidate after after four games in the NFL. That's not who he is. And it's not a a real expectation. But but it was good to see. And like I said, and and you talked about the throw to Mayer. I mean, it was a great throw, great catch, of course. And and it was Mm -hmm. good to see him connect with Mayer more, because I think that that's something that has been underutilized. In the Raiders' offense is the tight end and some of those sets, and they they really attempted to do that. You also saw Trey Tucker again, which was nice. But all those pieces too, and I I I always focus on this: it was use what you have and use it differently when you have a rookie quarterback because you're not asking him to go down the field all the time, right? He can do it, and he did it a couple times nicely. But giving him the opportunity to succeed by making the game more manageable, and you I mean you got a great running back, you have these tight ends, you have these fast. Uh, rookies like Tucker, use them. And and I think that that's credit to Bo Hart agree again, too, that the first half was a little uneven. Second half, I thought they dialed it in more. I know they didn't score until the one touchdown in the fourth, but overall, I thought they called the game better and the creativity is much better.
1: Creativity is much better, but what I would say is a lot of people panicked when the Raiders, you know, only kicking field goals in the first half and Antonio Pierce kind of botched a timeout situation where he wasted the timeout before halftime. time. I get that. And people criticize Antonio Pierce for that. Antonio Pierce is coaching in his second game. <laughs> so what I will say about offensive coordinator Bo Hardigree, who's a first time offensive play caller, Aiden O'Connell, who's a rookie, Antonio Pierce, who's, you know, just now coming into his head coaching position second game. Be patient. All of these guys are going to make mistakes. It's not gonna Thanks. look, it's not gonna look smooth probably until the end of the season and even then it may not look as smooth because all of these guys are filling in in new positions things they haven't done before Aiden O'Connell has getting up to NFL speed Antonio Pierce understanding what it is to be a head coach and how to use his timeouts and clock management Bo Hardegree learning his personnel how to call plays the flow of the game how to set up plays later in the game so those things will eventually come you hope but you have to expect the growing pains and the hiccups early. So I, I would say for, for fans who are very critical, understand what the Raiders have. It's a lot of new, and I don't know a lot of people want to compare it to the Rich, Rich Pass years, but I think I said this on the last show. Rich it was it was a different situation because he had a veteran quarterback. He had Greg Olson on the staff, who's a who's an experienced play caller. And Rich Basacci himself has been around the league for decades. <laughs> he was familiar with Gruden from, I believe, their Tampa Bay days. So, yes, way back. You you, ha- you have a whole, you have a, not a new coaching staff, but you have a very inexperienced coaching staff in key positions. You have an inexperienced quarterback. So, of course, they're going to lean a lot on Josh Jacobs. So, while I don't expect any 300 yard games for Aiden O'Connell this year, maybe he gets one or two, who knows? But it's going to be a Josh Jacobs type of second half season for the Raiders. And if, as, as long as Josh Jacobs goes, the Raiders go with him. And I, I think that's why they've, they're they leaning into their physical identity because of the experience of Aiden O'Connell in the center.
0: And, and I agree. I think this team, and again, people, I think it was last week when I said, hey, Raiders playoffs or something. I just said it in passing. They're like, what are you, are you crazy? And of course, they're sending me the, the Jim Mora. Playoffs. playoffs yes and 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 i'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs but they're in the conversation which shows the the progress they've made in two games it's a long road to go but if you're going to be if you're going to if a team like the raiders in my view mo have have a chance and can buck stats and expectations they got to do guerrilla warfare right they have to be this physical knockdown, drag it out team and you might win games quote-unquote ugly that's what some of these teams do, and with the AFC, especially for that seven seed, uh, it is bunched up right now. You look at the AFC North. You look at what's going on there. Pittsburgh keeps winning. I don't know how, but they do. So you look at that situation, and they're going to have to—they're going to have to be in a bare knuckle brawl the rest of the season. Every game to me is going to be like this. Now there might be more points scored and so on. You might play defenses that aren't as good, but you're going to play offenses that are. It's just going to be this way, and and we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, But it's certainly more exciting. People have hope, which is something that they didn't have four or five weeks ago. And I think that that's palpable, not only for the players, but for the fans overall as well. Mo, last word before we hit the break.
1: Do you remember when people were criticizing Josh Jacobs and saying, oh, is he dogging it? Is he not playing hard? Uh, You know, his last two games, his best two games of the season. What has changed between the first? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but what has changed between the first eight games and the last two? You tell yeah. me and, and you right. wonder why. And I think it coaching matters,
0: Scott. Coaching, coaching matters. matters. And and the other thing is how his contract situation was handled. We don't know the details. Mm. Even if the Raiders still were right not to give him a long term contract, how it was handled matters. And now what we know about other situations, I'm pretty sure it wasn't handled well. So uh, that that pops into the equation, too. And he feels better, I'm sure, having to deal with Champ Kelly versus the other guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we roll on with Silver and Black today here on this Tuesday. Mo and Scott, don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Welcome back. It's Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your five and five Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, 500. Right now, the Raiders sit in the 11th spot in the AFC playoff race. They got to get to seven if they want to make it in. Okay, but it's bunched up. It's only two games. It's two games. You never know. Injuries are the great equalizer. And, and you don't know what's going to happen above where the Raiders are. All they can do is continue to play hard and continue to try to win football games, which they'll have to try to do against Miami. We'll talk about that in the final segment. But I wanted to use this section. Uh, by the way, Scott Cobrans and Mo Moten with you. Appreciate you being with us. But Mo, we talked a lot about the changes in the beginning. But the idea that you brought up about this team having an identity, um, it, it is amazing. And I don't think you could ever underscore the importance of Leadership, right? And leadership comes in different ways, different formats, different styles. But at a moment in time, the Raiders needed a certain kind of leader. And this is where I know some of you won't appreciate it. You have to credit Mark Davis for listening when he decided to blow out these two guys and get rid of Patriot Way West. Hmm. He had to make a choice. So he talked to a lot of players. I'm sure that's where a lot of it came from, but he had to make the choice. He had to make the choice to go to Antonio Pierce. He did, and it's worked out so far really, really well. That piece of it, taking on the persona of your leader um, in 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 an environment like this, football, brutal sport, the testosterone is on high, to have, how much do you think it helps in this situation Antonio Pierce, who he was, the fact that he was a linebacker, the fact that he won a Super Bowl, that difference to these players, instantly he had a connection that only guys who've played in the NFL can understand.
1: Right. So Antonio Pierce is not far removed from being a player himself. I'm sure he's he hasn't been inactive for more than a decade, right? right? So he has a connection with these players that a lot of these older coaches won't have. Now, a lot of these older coaches have also played the game, but just to be not far removed from the action on the field I think means something I think he mentioned it in his press conference that he understands what these players go through with injuries and everything going on around them in the locker room so he can connect with them in a way that others cannot and someone asked me an interesting question in the Bleach Report live stream Sunday night someone said do you think if Antonio Pierce is made the head coach would he be able to to attract star players in free agency and I said emphatically yes Mm -hmm. because again he had, he's not that far removed from the game. So he understands some of the things that players want in their head coach or what they're looking for or what what makes them tick and what makes them make these type of decisions in picking a football team. So I, I don't think he'll have an issue attracting star players. And the other thing is, if you look at the way the Raiders are playing under Antonio Pierce, I think other players and other teams look at that and say, I want to be a part of that. They look like they're having fun. They're smoking cigars. The coach is a down to earth <laughs> do. Some people will call them a players coach, whatever you want to label And They're it. winning. And they're winning. So I, I think players will look at that and say, Wow, I'd rather be a part of that than what Josh McDaniels is running at his as as Patriot West in Las Vegas. So I don't think the Reds will have any issues in free I think Antonio Pierce's experience in the game and his recent experience in the game, more importantly, make a difference with this football team.
0: Yes, and and I, I noted here for, for notes for this segment to talk about the difference in the mental preparation that seems to have occurred with the changeover in coaching because that doesn't mean, some people were challenging me on that thought saying, well, look at this mistake. Look, everybody makes mistakes. In the game of football, especially when you're playing that sport at the highest level against a team that has talent, it's not like you're playing, I mean, the Giants, even the Giants had some good, I mean, they're professional football players. Even the worst teams can beat you if you don't play your game. So you look at that and and yes, they're going to make mistakes. And again, people get mad at me when I say this, but the Raiders overall on defense still don't have as much talent as I think they could to be a really dominant force in the league. Not that they're not good. Not, they're getting the most out of what they have, which is a, a credit to Patrick Graham, by the way. But mm-hmm. the mental preparation mode, the, what I see from these guys, I see less. I think they had what? Two penalties yesterday or three penalties on Sunday? Uh, the Raiders. I see I see less mental errors happening. There's still physical errors. There's still missed assignments, things like that happen. But overall, some of the kind of, I think, lazy slash uh, sloppy mistakes that we saw under Josh McDaniels, the last two weeks, they've been much more buttoned up.
1: Right. How many games can you say the Raiders were the more disciplined football team? (laughs) Because the Jets were shooting themselves in the foot a lot in the first half. Brees Hall scores a touchdown, was called back on a C.J. Uzama holding penalty. There were first downs that they had that were wiped out. So the Raiders, in comparison, were the more disciplined football team. But more importantly, I think, under Antonio Pierce, which I don't think a lot of people expect, because when you play a physical, aggressive style, people often associate that with being reckless. And I think that's what's important with the Raiders. They're physical and aggressive, but they're not reckless. You're not seeing a, a ton of penalties since Antonio Pierce has taken over. And that's something that you can't say for a lot of Raiders teams in the recent past.
0: Right. And and just remarkable what we're seeing, too, on the defense. That's what I want to talk about as well. Is And I said it last night, and I know a lot of people said the same thing. I've been noticing, which is when we talked about Robert Spillane, we said, "Bah, eh, okay, you know, whatever. Wasn't impressed, slow, so on now leads the the team in interceptions with three. He only Mm. had one interception his entire career before he got to Las Vegas. So whatever has sparked this this renaissance for Robert Spillane, maybe it's because his wife is expecting a child. It was kind of cool to see that on on the show uh, yesterday after the game when he kind of broke the news for folks. But either way, you're getting, and this is what I meant the point to Murph the other night, Mo, and I want to get your thoughts on it, which is the Raiders have talent. They're getting more out of their talent in some positions than they were before, which speaks to, I think, what this this defense's defining moment was that second half of the Chargers game. That's when things started to turn for this defense, if you go back mm. and, and look at it. And now you go look at, they've given up just three touchdowns in three games, right? That's correct. Three it, touchdowns in three games, including the Detroit Lions, who are eight and two. They gave up two to them. One was late when the defense was gassed. So this defense and Patrick, they're playing probably better than they should, but that's okay. That's what coaching's about. And Patrick Graham was was public enemy number one last year with with some good reason, but it seems to have clicked. And this staff, I think on the defense mode, deserves a lot of credit for getting these guys to play as well as they possibly can.
1: So a quick note on Robert Spillane, right? So a, a lot of people want to point out how... Oh, you were critical of Robert Spillane. You, you, you know, you were, you didn't do your, re- someone's like, oh, you didn't do your research on Robert <laughs> Spillane because you were wrong about him. And I, w- and I responded and I said, you could do all the research in the world on a player. We see it every year during draft time, right? The The, the best of the best experts have certain guys being bust or overrated. And this guy isn't going to be much. And what happens? It's the total opposite. So you could do all the research you want on a player. You just can't predict how our players going to fit into a certain system. Now, I want to give credit to not only Robert Spillane, but Antonio Pierce because he is the linebacker's coach, and we've said it on this show that the most impressive position on the Raiders' roster has been their linebackers because a lot of people, including us, have said the linebacker core is probably the weakest group across the league. Divine Diablo, and Robert Spillane together have been terrific, and I'm not even exaggerating. That is not a hyperbole. They've been terrific together. And I, I want to sh- show me anyone who said, yeah, Robert Spillane is going to lead the Raiders in interceptions by week 10. Show me the person that said that, <laughs> and then I'll give the credit where it's due. Because I'm not seeing anyone that came out and said, yeah, Robert Spillane is going to play at a Pro Bowl level. Divine Diablo, those two guys together are going to be the heartbeat of that defense outside of Max Crosby. So, uh, again, I give credit where it's due. I'll stand up and say I was wrong about Robert Spillane. I always said he was a good run defender. My issue with Robert Splane was, can he cover? And I had issues with that after watching him with the Steelers. And if you've done your research, you would have saw that he did have issues in coverage in Pittsburgh. But apparently under Antonio Pierce and the Raiders coaching staff, they're getting a lot more out of him than the Steelers coaching staff got out of him. So I think kudos should go to not only Robert Splane, but that Raiders coaching staff for building him up and helping him get that production.
0: Absolutely. And and there is concern. We saw Meek Robertson go out with the injury. He got knocked out basically on the sideline. I don't have an update on him, uh, but we'll get one midweek uh, tomorrow and see where he's at. So they're getting thin at cornerback. I will say Tyler Hall came in and did a pretty good job uh, in relief, in in emergency relief. But they're thin, so I would expect the Raiders uh, Tuesday is – today is the day that they bring in visits. I would expect the Raiders – I forgot who's on the – I have to look who's on the practice squad. But they might need to go sign a couple guys if Robertson's out. Ja'Cory and Bennett continues to struggle, Mo. uh, And and I know – I noticed it against the Jets as well, which is obviously not a high-flying offensive team. Uh, But there's some questions there. He's a rookie too, right? I mean – I think he's got the talent to play in the league. Uh, he's just got to get better. And unfortunately, they don't have bodies. If they had bodies, he might not be seeing as much time. Obviously, he came in uh, yesterday or Sunday uh, in emergency role there uh, with the injury. So you look at that, and, and this team still needs, uh, to, I think, some buys. This is where Champ Kelly, in this interim role as GM, will see what he can do to see who off the street might be able to help this team at least give it some stopgap and some depth uh, while they wait on these injuries. It
1: was interesting because people, when I said Champ Kelly has a chance to keep his job in an audition, people were like, what do you mean? The trade deadline is over. What can he do? Well, at the end of the season, when you have injuries, you could still pick up from the free agent pool. And if you pick up a guy off the scrap heap and he plays well, guess who gets the credit for that?
0: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Part
1: of your front office gets credit for that. So they let go of David Long Jr., I believe, not too long ago. Yeah. They let him go and they picked up some linebackers. Jalen Smith being one of them. He was inactive on Sunday, but now that Amik is out or could be out with a concussion, it'll be interesting to see what they do with their cornerback group. Now during Sunday they bumped Nate Hobbs outside and inserted, as you said, Tyler Hall, which I think is which I think that's the route they should go if Amik isn't going to play. Nate Hobbs on the outside opposite Marcus Piers with Tyler Hall in the slot. But of course, you're still going to need some depth just in case another guy gets hurt because we also yeah. saw Ja'Core Bennett get banged up. He had to come off the field and shuffling the deck in the secondary is going to be tough against a Miami Dolphins high flying offense.
0: That's what I was going to say. They're going to be in a track meet uh, on Sunday against the Dolphins and mm-hmm. you're just going to get tired and not even injury. Just just winded Fatigue. chasing Tyreek Hill and all those guys around. <laughs> so not to mention the running game, which is incredible as well. So it's going to be it's going to be a battle. And I know we'll get deep into that on thursday uh but yeah great 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 progress by the defense good to see credit to the coaching staff as you said all right we're gonna take our final break when we come back we'll close out the show we'll talk about raiders and playoffs yes raiders and playoffs we'll talk Uh about that and what it might take for them to get there we'll do that here on silver and black today and odyssey original podcast mo and scott we're coming right back hey everybody it is back we're back Silver and Black today, Home stretch here. Final segment of this Tuesday edition. Thank you guys for being with us. Hope you're enjoying your victory Tuesday. Yes, carry it all the way through until <laughs> Sunday when they got to face the Dolphins. So you never know what's going to happen. But uh, we are back. And I say we, Mo Moten, who is my broadcast partner here. He's also senior writer NFL style over at Bleacher Report. Also the Sports Not Raiders columnist. You can catch his work in both spots. He also does some great pregame, postgame game on Bleacher Report Live on their app. So you can go in there and harass them about food or anything else you want in addition to the Raiders. So check him out. Check him out on X.com, Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully in the same channel. Okay, but playoffs. Like you look at the Raiders, you know, you wake up on Monday morning and I'm watching NFL Network and they're doing all the scenarios and they're talking about how the AFC is just a logjam, right? Because NFC, eh, but the AFC, you look at what's happening in the AFC North. The Bengals are in last place. You have the, the Steelers at 6-3. and three. You have the Browns off a big victory. You have the Ravens. I mean, it could be those three teams. I mean, two of those teams could get the... You, you could have three teams from the AFC North in the, the playoffs. But the Raiders sit in the number 11 spot as of today, two games behind, though. 11-7, to seven, you think, wow, that's a long way. It's only two games. And we see some teams struggling... We mentioned a couple weeks ago, as we mentioned last year, too, you kind of start to see who teams are around Thanksgiving. So these next two weeks are going to be big for this playoff race and for the Raiders. Uh, my question is, when you look at the playoff landscape and the Raiders opportunity, the schedule gets hard. Um, what do the Raiders have to do to even be in the conversation uh, over the course of, of the remaining schedule that they have?
1: I think they have to steal one of these next two games against the Dolphins or the Chiefs. If you fall a five and seven, people say, oh, see, the Raiders can only beat bad football teams. They're not a playoff caliber squad. You know, it it was only going to happen. It's only going to be a matter of time. They fall apart against the, you know, better competition. But if they're able, again, if they're able to steal one of these two games, and let's say they go into their buy at six and six, and you're thinking, okay, after that, you have, you know, the Chargers, I think the vikings after that you have the chiefs again you have the colts and the broncos now you would say a majority of those games that i just listed off most of those games that i listed winnable football games charges and raiders always close joshua dobbs playing pretty well with the vikings right now but they're not unbeatable uh the Denver broncos the raiders have had an edge over them for the past four or five years and the colts are pretty mediocre they're up and down i know they beat the patriots in germany but the patriots are are at the bottom of right. the, of the standings yes. <laughs> of the standing. So a lot of people are beating the Patriots right now. So I, I think with the Raiders, if they beat the if they win the winnable games, win the winnable games, it's weird saying, but they win the <laughs> winnable games and steal at least one from the chiefs and, or the dolphins, they got a shot, but they in my opinion, they have to win nine to even be in the conversation because most years, unless you're in a bad division, You have to win nine games to be in the race. So they're at five and five right now. And I think Chargers, Vikings, Colts, Broncos, Winnable, you still won. All of a sudden could be nine or ten wins. Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I would say it's week to week league. You said it in the first segment. Week to weekly, injuries happen, changes happen. We don't know what certain teams may look like post-Thanksgiving. The Raiders have some momentum, playing with some confidence. We see upsets all the time. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Cowboys earlier this year. You know, So there are things that happen in the NFL that seem inexplicable. Why not the Raiders? Why not the Raiders upsetting one of these good te- football teams?
0: Right, which, mean, which means they got to go 4-3 and three, down the stretch. They got to do yes. four and three, which would make them six and three down the stretch because they've just won two. I mean, from the mm-hmm. midseason point from the coaching change, they'd have to go six and three. And mm-hmm. I think that was the number you said when yep. Antonio Pierce took over last week, did you not?
1: That's correct. Yeah. Six and three. Yep. Yeah.
0: So if he goes so, six
1: and three, the chances of him keeping that job grow exponentially.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100 percent And and I don't think anybody would argue that because if you go six and three with that team that mm-hmm. couldn't get couldn't shoot straight. Under Josh McDaniels, you deserve it, man. There's no question about that. But it's interesting, too, because even nine wins in the AFC, especially with when you start getting down to tiebreakers and all that kind of stuff, nine wins still, there might be two nine win teams that don't get in the playoffs on the AFC side. So, but they can't worry about that. All they can do is try to win football games. But, and I'm not, I don't want to get people's hopes up too much. But like you said, if they can steal one of these two games, against the Chiefs or the Dolphins, both of which have their defenses ascending and their offense is still high-powered, but not as high-powered as it was earlier in the season, at least for the Dolphins, uh, then they can do it. And, and and that's what they have to focus on. It's going to be interesting to watch this because there might op- this might be an opportunity for this team to really make a statement. And, and again, if they want this coach to come back next year, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to put themselves in a position where they're at least there with nine wins and and whatever happens outside of their control happens. But at least if they get into that position, everybody can walk away from them and say, Well, we did everything we could.
1: here's the other scenario. I know Raider fans don't want to hear this, but let's say the Raiders drop the next two games. They go five and seven and everyone goes up. See their frauds. <laughs> you know, they're not going anywhere. They're they're better under Antonio Pierce, but they're still not there yet. Then they have to go basically 4-1 to be in the conversation. I would even say going 4-1 to finish the season isn't even out of the question simply because of the teams that it's I scheduled. listed that are, are going to be on a schedule. Vikings, Colts, Broncos, Chargers. And they'll have a bye week to kind of regroup. So even if they drop those two games, you have a week 13 bye to kind of reset things, make some changes, make some tweaks, and get back out there and go on a run because we've seen it. We've seen it happen before. Where teams, at the end of the season, December, January, they have to win out, or they have to win most of the games to get into the playoffs, and it works out. I'm not saying it will happen, but what I will say is that the play, Raiders' playoff hopes are alive and well right now.
0: Yeah, and, and so much to me hinges on just getting, and it's hard when you have a rookie quarterback, Yeah, getting that consistency on offense. Because to your point about playing the Chargers, the Chargers put up 38 points against the Detroit Lions, but... They can't play defense. <laughs> By the way, that game, no sacks in that game for either team. Pretty crazy. But um, so so again, to your point about being in games, but if you're going to beat them, and now the Raiders have played them well on defense too, though, but if you're going to beat mm-hmm. them, you're going to have to put some points on the board. So you want to see this offense start to progress. We knew the game, you know, the Jets game was going to be the Jets game. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do against Miami, which has a good defense as well. And then of course, Kansas City. So we'll learn a lot about this team in the two weeks. And, and even if they don't win the games, Mo, I don't think people should be disappointed. If you see the same team you saw out there who is playing hard, taking opportunities, making the most out of them, and they come up on the short end of it, so be it, right? But at least the team is playing better and they've taken on that persona and they know who they are. They know that identity. And uh, I think this team is always going to punch you in the mouth now on offense and defense. Uh, so so they, they will have the opportunity to make themselves part of that story, the playoff story. Uh, but if they don't, uh, you you have to look for how they progress if you see growth on all sides of the ball.
1: Next week is definitely the measuring stick. I know the Dolphins don't have a quality win. They haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Right. But you got to respect their offense. And the Raiders <laughs> are familiar with Tyreek Hill. They got Jalen Waddle over there. Their rookie running back, Devon Achan, or Achan, however you want to, pronounce it. My apologies if I pronounce it the wrong way. He they opened his window of practice so he could return again in that Raiders game. And so Moster it's crazy. He, he and Moster together are gonna really test that wow. Raiders run defense. And I think Nesta Jay Severa better be active for that game. I know he yes, wasn't active against the the Jets, but I think they're gonna need all hands on deck to stop Moster and HM
0: hundred percent. And they're going to have to, uh, th- it's not going to be a field goal game. I'll put it that way. You're going to have no. to score six, <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to put seven on the board uh, and, and, and move that offense and keep Josh Jacobs rolling as well. All right, Mo, we are out of time for this edition of silver and black today. Uh, it is Tuesday as we stand today. Let everybody know what you got coming up and bleach report. Also your work up on sports, not.
1: So on Wednesday, I believe 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific, I'll have a Bleacher Report live, digging into the Raiders' matchup with the Dolphins. What can the Raiders do to basically slow down that high-powered offense? We talked about Achan, HM, We talked about Mostert. We talked about Waddle, Tyreek Hill. The Raiders' defense is definitely going to be tested. I believe they came into the last game top 10 in pass defense. So we'll see how it stacks up against a high-powered passing attack. The other thing I have, a sports knot. Column coming up. I'll leave that TBD. I like to surprise readers in my audience with what's coming <laughs> up. I don't like to tip my hand. I like to just have it pop up Thursday morning and people go, okay. I, I got a good, we I got, got good. about today? I got good feedback from my Antonio Pierce, his pathway to a head coaching job. How I drew the parallels to John Madden, who was a defensive coordinator at San Diego State, Raiders linebackers coach, a head coach. A shout out to everyone who read that piece and enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a good one. And uh, I know you just check it out. Make sure you're up there. I actually have a piece up now on Josh Jacobs on uh, his brutality. I say brutality because he's running like a monster. He's a man who's risen from the ashes. I mean, I was trying to think. I was I was writing the lead mo, and I was trying to think of like a fictional, like literary character. You know, somebody who rose from the ashes, and I couldn't find the right one to fit in it. But but it's amazing to watch Josh Jacobs and to hear him do that. So check out that as well. But uh, but he's he's the key man. He is the engine on that offense and uh, they, they got to keep him moving and it, he won't stop unless somebody stops him, but he was running just like a maniac. His conversation with Bo Jackson. I talk about that in the piece, which which is really funny. Uh, Despite the expletives, it was funny. So uh, good stuff. (laughs) And we will be back with you guys on Thursday with another edition. And I think we'll dive into the We got to see if we can get Jeremy on man. Jeremy clump.
1: Oh yeah, Jeremy is—he is the tour troll of all trolls. I—he's—he's I, I, he's gonna. One thing I can say about Jeremy, he's gonna be completely honest. He's not gonna get up here and say, Tua's is the greatest football player that ever lived," <laughs> and the Dolphins are gonna put up seven hundred yards. He's very objective as we are, yes. so we got We definitely have to. I have to have to hit Jeremy up and ask him to have some time to spare us yes. and talk Dolphins Raiders
0: coming up. That would be good. We'll, we'll work our damnedest to get him on for Thursday's show. In the meantime, if you don't already subscribe to the show, wherever you get your audio, just look for Silver and Black today. Do that for us. Do us a big favor too. put on the auto download. That way, every time we have a new episode, it's pushed right to you. You don't have to worry about it. So you wake up in the morning, get ready to go to work, wherever you're listening, getting on the train. You can hear it right there. Also, subscribe, hit the notifications bell on YouTube, and follow Mo M O E M O T O N, Momoton on x.com. I am at LV Gully, the show SNB today. For our producer, Mike Robbie, for Momoton, I am Scott Branson. We will talk to you all Thursday. Enjoy your winning week, Raider Nation.